In a world where busyness is worn like a badge of honor, it's almost impossible to imagine breaking free from the shackles of success. Working long hours, skipping meals, missing or being late to important life events, constantly playing catch up, exhausted to the bones. This has been normalized, especially in the medical and healthcare arena. Practice owners are fleeing to corporate practices or leaving medicine altogether in hopes of recapturing their time and energy. But you are here for a reason and you've been searching for answers. Welcome to Thriving Practice. I'm your host, Tracy Cherpesky. I'm an executive coaching consultant and time leadership expert. I'm mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. I am on a mission to help practice owners take back at least one day per week for the rest of their careers so they can focus on healing their patients and falling back in love with their practice. Together we learn, connect with like-minded practice owners and medical business experts, and expand your connection to an international community of peers. In each episode, we discuss the business of medicine and healthcare, how to avoid the pitfalls of success, and how to improve the bottom line, paving the way to exquisite fulfillment in your career and life. Join us each week to learn how you can grow your practice while focusing on what you love most. You'll want to take notes, so let's go. Welcome back to another episode. I really enjoyed my conversation with today's guest, and I'm excited to share our conversation with you. Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to invite you to join us at our upcoming roundtable discussion on burnout. It's on Friday, April 21st, and we'll be joined by three expert guests, Dr. Andrew Orr, a renowned women's health expert located in Brisbane, Australia, Justin Maxwell, a tax and wealth specialist who helps practice owners plug money leaks and live a big life. He's located in Salt Lake City, Utah. And Dr. Yishai Barkadari, a sought-after psychologist and therapist to driven professionals who's located in New York. We are going to be learning about the 12 stages of burnout, how to identify where you land in that spectrum, and how to avoid or recover from it. You'll want to join us as our guests share their knowledge and expertise, and we learn about the unique issues healthcare provider owners face when building a business and providing excellent care, all while staying on top of their professional game. And my sincere hope also is that they're living a robust life outside of their work. We're going to open the floor for questions, and we even have a special gift for our guests who sign up to join us. So go to our events page at tracycherpesky.com forward slash events and click on the button to register. We've put a clickable link in the show notes for your convenience as well. Just scroll down and click through. I look forward to seeing you there. So let's get to today's guest. I am speaking with the very thoughtful Eric Miller, who's co-owner of Econologic Financial Advisors and is the chief financial advisor. Eric takes pride in helping proactive owners become the financial heroes of their own stories and has helped practice owners with money, investing, practice expansion, practice transitions, taxes, asset protection, and much more. And he helps them shape their financial attitude towards abundance. We talked at length about the mindset required for a practice owner to achieve the success they desire, which we are loosely defining as financial and time freedom in our conversation. I love speaking with business owners and service providers like Eric because it's so clear that he cares deeply about his clients, not only for their financial well-being, but for their whole life and business happiness. 
we talked about different ways to shift the practice and, and really the whole business entity toward multiple streams of income and becoming a powerhouse. Eric's approach is to treat the practice as an investment and as the main source for strong income. And he encourages his clients to use their cash flow to invest in building other streams of income. Now, I know you hear me say this a lot, so I found it super refreshing when Eric emphasized that as the practice owner, you are wearing multiple hats of owner, executive, and provider. And it's important for you to get clear on your vision, mission, and culture in order to achieve the financial and professional goals you've set for yourself. You're going to need to ask yourself who you need to be in order to be successful on your terms. Our conversation focused a lot on leadership, which needs to be a central focus for the practice owner. Eric's parting wisdom is make sure you treat the practice like an investment, not a job. Don't underestimate how much you need in assets and resources and make sure to acknowledge your worth to the practice and pay yourself correctly. If you're a practice owner and you'd like to learn how to build on your investment, I highly recommend you get in touch with Eric. His contact information is in the show notes. So you know what to do, grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Eric and his sage wisdom. Also remember to save your seat for our upcoming roundtable discussion on burnout. Check the show notes to register. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, I, I so enjoyed our warm up, and I'm ready to like dive right in, but before we do let us know where you're located. Well, right now I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, but uh, home for me is uh, Clearwater, Florida. Nice. Uh, which I've been for about 15 years. Awesome. And is that where your company is located as well? Our company is in the is in Clearwater, Florida, and uh, you know we've we start we started there, and uh, it's just it's an area that I just kind of grown to love, and it's been easy to find people in that area because Tampa, St. Petersburg, Clearwater is is a fairly growing area, so it hasn't been hard to find find people, which I know is, you know, been a big problem for a lot of practice owners is to find good people. Yeah, a real challenge, especially depending on where they're located. Yeah, it's, maybe we can talk about that in a bit. So tell us the name of your company and about the services that you provide and obviously who you serve. Yeah, we have a very fancy name. Uh, of our of our company, we call it Econologics Financial Advisors, and I usually start there because that's people hear that word, they're like, "Hmm, where, where did that come from?" And it's really simple. Uh, the The original derivation. I'm kind of a, a word nerd, if you want to call me that. Um, the original derivation of the word economy actually. M- means the management of a household because you think about it like uh, an economy is simply made up of households and as a financial advisor our job is to help people in their households you know and with their with their personal finances so we came up with that word uh, econologics which simply means the the study of the skills and practices of the management of the household so that's what the word broken down actually means and and that's what we do is as a financial advisor my job is to make sure that your household financially is is strong it has you have multiple income sources you're free of all bad debt you know you have a, a business that is profitable sustainable and transferable uh, and then you have time to pursue whatever life goals that you have i think that's that is our job as advisors is to help people with that mm. 
And you serve practice owners, 98%, (laughs) right? About 98%, yeah. yeah. So practice owners is defined as as what? I saw on your website that you have many, many definitions of that. So mostly it's people in the healthcare industry now we've narrowed, which is still a lot. We've narrowed it down specifically to, we work with a lot of veterinarians. We work with a lot of physical therapists. Uh, we work with uh, a lot of uh, optometrists, chiropractors, and dentists. So those are the majority of the people that we work with primarily because, you know, they're not part of some big physician group where they have, you know, a thousand doctors or five, you know, however many that is. And, you know, I just I just saw that these kinds of healthcare providers were underserved financially, it seemed like they were getting cookie cutter financial advice. And, you know, they they deliver a lot of good care to people. And when they're not doing well financially, they're not able to grow and see as many patients. So that was kind of where we we migrated towards them for that reason. Interesting. And did you find that? Like, did your clients start coming to you and you kind of sifted through and that's how you settled into those areas? Or did you do some like research and find out who was being served in which way? Well, I first started out, we had uh, a a friend who was a business consultant for physical therapists. Mm. So we started off with physical therapists. He was doing, they were doing the consulting on the business side. And he's like, look, my my clients aren't doing very well financially. Can you help? And we just kind of commiserated there and said, sure. So that's where we started with physical therapy. And then we we did the same thing with veterinarians and we just kind of used that. And and now we've, we've concentrated on those areas right there because it's really hard to like, you know, go, go beyond that. And I'm yeah. trying to, we're trying to be a niche, but they're all patient driven businesses. Yeah. They, you know, they have patients where they come in, you have, you know, an associate who sees them or provider who sees them. So, you know, some industries are different than others. Some have to deal with insurance companies, some don't. So it really all depends. But I think the, from a financial perspective, it's, it's sometimes hard to tell the difference when I look at the profit and loss statements. Interesting. So do they tend to be smaller practices like single providers or do they have multiple providers? All kinds. You know, we, we generally have, um, I, I generally try to get people to, to start looking at, at what point are you going to get out of doing this, all the practicing work yourself, mm-hmm. because it's, it's hard. There's only so many bricks that a bricklayer can lay in a day. And there's right. so many, so many patients that you can see in a day. And if you really want to have a practice that has a significant amount of value at the, at the point where you want to transition out, it just can't all be dependent upon you. You know, you really have to make sure that you're, um, you have multiple associates that are producing for you. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a tough thing for a lot of solo docs to, to get their head around, but it's, it's necessary. And, um, but it's, that's part of the game. Yeah. I think that's a challenging transition. I had, I had a client who owned a practice and had multiple providers and, it was doing very, very well. It was growing and it was a busy practice. And he got kind of tired of having to manage all of that and decided to downsize his business. And he, I can't remember how he did it, but I think the other providers like bought him out and then he went and started a separate um, single provider practice. And he oh, said wow. he makes more money now. <laughs> I, it, look, you, you hire a lot of people and associates. It is going to 
it could yeah. squeeze yeah. your profits. But I mm -hmm. think generally what I've seen there is that they're they're not getting enough production out of that associate. Yeah. And that's probably what happened there. He wasn't getting enough out of that the people that he hired. Probably. So, he didn't elaborate. You know. He there was a lot of eye rolling and shaking of the head and he was just like, I was just <laughs> done with it. But I think also it gave him an opportunity to do to create multiple streams of income, which is something I wanted to ask you about because yeah. when I watched one of your YouTube videos, that was something that you highlighted pretty strongly. So oh, yeah. do you yeah. advise clients on that? Well, sure. You know, I think when you're first starting out in your business, uh, it, look, the business is the primary income source for the household. And while that's that's OK, I just don't think anybody wants to be reliant on just the practice or the sale of the practice for all of their income sources. So along the way, you have to, like, get a plan together of, OK, how am I going to create other income sources now? I try to tell owners that, look, you first have to make sure that your main income source is growing and, and really humming and purring like and flowing, right? You're getting it as big as possible. And then we utilize that business cash flow and make sure that we're taking significant parts of it and channeling it to the household so that we can create other income sources. Mm -hmm. And once they figure that out and uh, implement that, then they start to say, oh, wow, this this whole game of me getting financially free doesn't need to take like 30 years, like most advisors tell me that it takes, or it doesn't need mm -hmm. to take 20. I can, if I have a pretty significant, you know, good practice that's even, you know, doing a million dollars a year in revenue, I can, I can, I can win this game in seven to 10 years. Mm -hmm. and everything. I can be out of debt. I can, you know, have multiple income sources, you know, we can, we can do everything. So that's, that's what I really teach people how to do. Yeah. We don't save our way to wealth, even though maybe some old school no. advisors who, yeah, might, might tell us, yeah. you know, don't buy the latte because that's going to make you, you know, homeless oh, when you're retired. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting too, because uh, you talk about treating the practice as an investment. And it sounds like you were kind yeah. of referring to that right now. Does I'm curious, like from a mindset perspective, does it take a lot of, of um, I call it edutainment, right? <laughs> sort of mm -hmm. teaching and, and showing people what's possible to, to get them to see it that way. Cause it's been my experience with some, like, especially smaller practice provider or practice owners that sometimes they're just so focused on providing that it's hard yeah. for them to see what else is possible. Or they've, as the case is a lot of people, when they come into my practice, they're super overwhelmed because they're working so much and then they just can't fathom building something else. So does it take teaching and time to get them to understand what's possible? It, it does, it, you know, when, but when they decided to own their practice, you know, they, they decided that now I, I have not just one role, which is the practitioner, but I also have to be an owner and an executive. Yeah. And I, I think if you're going to make that decision that you're going to be an owner, then you got to be an owner. And an mm -hmm. owner isn't there just to tell people what to do. An owner is there to establish a vision, a mission, uh, culture, and to make sure that the the investment, which is the practice, is is able to get as as large as possible, you know. And and look, the it's not just me saying that. You know, there's a lot of corporate um, buying right now of these these types of practices. Yes, they think that they're valuable. So you know, you're really 
missing an opportunity. I mean, look, five years ago, would I have said that a veterinary practice that you see at your corner could be worth $19 million, right? You'd probably be like, no, <laughs> but it, there, I mean, obviously that's a high end, but those kinds of valuations are out there for these types of practices. If you set it up and look at it like an investment and treat it like that, then it will it will pay you back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all we're trying. I'm trying to get people to look at is like, look, you, you have your household, which is we look at it as like the parent company. And then you have other investments, whether it's real estate or, you know, your stock market investments. And then you have your practice and it is an investment, too. So just try to get the most out of it that you can. It's yeah. it's not just good. It's it's just not selfishly good for you because of the bigger that you get, the more people you can hire, the more patients that you can see, the better for the community. That is just like a win for everyone. Yeah, for so sure. So I think that's, and, you know, being a coach, I'm sure you have the same mindset. It's like, you know, it's, it's not just about more, 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 more. It's about like, how can I expand my sphere of help? Absolutely. I mean, most of my clients will get a little funky about money sometimes initially because it's taboo to talk about money and all of that, right? Or to desire money as a provider of services is particularly, yeah. you know, in a helping profession. That said, I'm like, look, money's the currency we use. So we need yep. to normalize the conversation about it. Um, and I spend quite a lot of time with my clients. Uh, once we get to know each other and figure out what their goals and their, you know, their big, huge dreams are coming back to being an executive and it's all about leadership, you know, hint, (laughs) we do all kinds of work and I'm really an operations person. And, you know, if our, if our mind isn't in it, when we're talking business, if we're not coming in with our business strategist and and executive hat on, we miss so many opportunities. And I've yeah. I've seen my clients, you know, go through that before we started working together. Where they're like, "Yeah, if I had known, if I had just known, like, it's never too late." I'm sure you've heard, I'm sure you've heard that a million times. Like, I oh, wish I, 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 yeah. I wish I, knew I, wish what I had I didn't known. Know. Where have you been all my yes. life? <laughs> it's fun, it's fun to hear here. when you hear that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Fun to hear when you hear that, but it it does. And it doesn't have to overwhelm them. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, look, it is, it's, it is a sprint and it is a marathon. I mean, there are yeah. things that you have to implement. You have to get them done quickly, but this yeah. don't think that it's going to take, you know, a year and a half before your practice to be autonomous where you're able to just like step away. It's that's yeah. not real, but it can start compensating you more and it can start making you feel like I'm winning here and I can see where this thing really could get, you know, bigger. Yeah. So, and and they don't have to be tethered to the practice in order to yeah. have financial abundance and and to create that, you know, money isn't enough to give us freedom. Sorry, all the people who are like, yeah, financial freedom. Financial freedom to me means time freedom. Yes. Right. There, I don't think that the two can be can exist without one another. They have to be together. This, having a lot of money and working 90 hours a week, it, it, that's that's not yeah. free. <laughs> no, that's why I that's say on the free. tag end, you know, time to pursue whatever, like you want to make sure that you've created time for yourself. That's, yeah. that's one of the main reasons why you would put the work in, in the beginning to create the economic freedom so that you have time to go do whatever it is that, you know, you want to pursue. Absolutely. And, and uh, it's, it's... I think that should be the game. 
I agree. And, you know, it's funny, I, I spend a lot of time from the, from operations coming in and saying, you you know, it's so much, if, if people come to me a little earlier on, it's a little bit easier to do, but, you know, maybe shifting things takes a little bit longer if they've been in practice for a while and they've been doing things this way, being busy, working all the time, being the only, or one of maybe one or two providers. Um, but, you know, what is the life that you said you wanted? when you started this practice mm-hmm. or when you purchased this practice, what was the life that you envisioned? Is that still the life you want? Because visions can change. Um, yeah. And how do we shift things so that you can build this business around the life that you want to be leading? And it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be turned upside down and it doesn't have to take a year and a half or whatever. Sometimes it takes a while. Some of the work we do takes like a year or so, but you know, but to see the financial return. Right. But so I think that's, I think, I feel like you and I do very different things, but we're coming from the same place for what we want for our clients. So I think that's, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. It's stating like what your, your intention is first. Like, what is that? What do I want my life to look like in 10 years or seven years or whatever that is? Mm-hmm. Be whatever you want to. And, yeah. and then of course you just got to work backwards of like, what, what do I need to do now? Yeah. And then who do I need to be? Like, I can't be a. I need to be more of an executive mindset or I need to be willing to let go of certain things that I just hold on so too tight to. Yeah, I think from a mindset standpoint, uh, you know, you you have to identify who you need to be in order to be successful. And sometimes you got to fake it a little bit because you're it's not maybe inherently you and I don't want to tell people not to be who they are but I also know that if you want to be good with finances you know you can't say yes to everything you have to be like and, and you have to make sure you get compensated for things that you do and you just can't always give things away you know and yeah. and that's what I'm talking about like like I have to be okay I'm sorry I'm I'm I got my financial hat on right now and I can't be the altruistic, you know, here, everybody just take advantage of me kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And that's a challenge for people in helping professions. Uh, As a coach, I had to learn that early on. I gave away so much expertise in the beginning, (laughs) right? Um, I think we've all probably all done it. Sure. You can pick my brain. Now I'm like, I can send you an invoice and then you can pick my brain. And usually that's, you know, they're gone. (laughs) Sometimes people are like, do it, (laughs) you know, but that's a great, you know, identifier of like, do you want something that's actionable? Cause if I provide, unless you're like my best friend, but if I provide something that's actionable, there's a, there's expertise all those years, all those years. And we, you know, we're just, as we were warming up talking about the kind of debt that providers come out of school with. So all those years of building that expertise, plus the years in practice and, you know, before they bought their practice, wherever they were working, how many years do people go to medical school? Eight years or whatever, you know, like plus, plus, plus that's worth something. That's what I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even think about adding the debt to that equation, but you're right. Cause not only did they come out of, they they come out of school with all the intellectual capital, but they also have the noose of the debt around them. And to then on top of that, give away something makes it's even more foolish to do. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I, that was good to like, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do an exercise with my clients. You're welcome to, I probably borrowed it from one of my mentors. So you're welcome to take this along with you. It's like, how much money are you leaving on the table? So mm-hmm. if you do an admin task, because you can, not because you really need to or whatever, you just, it was there and you just did it. And that was 20 minutes of your time. 
20 minutes of your time as opposed to an admin professional's 20 minutes of time. Like how many dollars that just got left on the table? Let's not talk about the lights yes. and the rent and all. Like just dollar for dollar. <laughs> Could They're you shocked, have done a consultation with a new patient during that time? Methinks mm-hmm. you could have, you know. So there's a lot of, you know, reality checks. I think, and and this is the challenge of being, again, being in a helping profession where, you know, I think most people go into healthcare because they want to help people, not because they're like, yeah, I'm gonna be a medical provider because I want to give away X number of years of my life and be saddled with, you know, close to a half a million dollars in debt and work for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm sure no one goes into that with that, no. with that mindset, but <laughs> no, right. They want to help the, people. The desire to give care is obviously priority. Number one, that's the main yeah. motivation, but I think financial independence needs to be pretty close to the second, you know, on, Absolutely. That, on yeah. that equation as well. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have to be adversarial. It really can be, wow, I'm doing this because the, the more that I have of resources, the more people I can help. Yes. And I think that's where um, that's part of the mindset of, of changing some of the practice owners where they're, where they're coming from. Yeah. That's really interesting because it is expansive. There's, there's not at some point, maybe there's a limit to earnings unless you want to, you know, many times multiply the size of the practice, but otherwise there's not really a limit. If you set it up in a way where there's, you know, where you can accommodate growth and, and scaling. So yeah. But I would say, or and I would say, it's really, really hard to scale if we're not also growing our mindset. I've yeah, I mean, in my you, business, my clients go through that. Yeah, certainly the limitation of oh, I can only see so much, or then they start, you know, believing, you know, well, I can't find a good provider, mm-hmm. and you know, I can't find good people, and. That's where it starts the rabbit hole of, like, mm-hmm. you know, these are your, these are your limiting beliefs. They're not mine. Right. And, you know, once you kind of get off of those limiting beliefs, you, you know, you, now you have a whole world that's, that's to you. I, I like to tell practice owners that, look, I, I know that, you know, insurance companies are, are difficult to deal with. I know that, you know, we have inflation and taxes and it seems like there's like all these things are making it difficult to expand, but 99% of what's wrong with you and your practice and your finances is because of inside activity, not because of outside activity. Yeah. And I think that's when they see that, okay. And and if you can correct that, you can control your outcome now. Like you totally can, you know, and you don't have to keep watching CNBC or, you know, worry about your stock portfolio crashing. I mean, you you can have control over your outcome. You can create some, maybe it's harmony more than it's balance, but to to create something that's more conducive to what you say you want. This is the thing I keep coming back to with my clients. That what you say you want is this. And there's yeah. certain actions that we know you're going, you already know you're going to need to take and we'll discover what the other ones are along the way. Yep. But you have to keep coming back to what it is that you say you want. Are you really committed to that? Yep. You know, and it takes, it's. Owning a business, any kind of business is a challenge, as I'm sure that you know, because you are co-owner of your business, right? Co-founder. Like it's um, it's a commitment. And mm-hmm. most of us decide to do our own thing because we like a certain amount of control. <laughs> sure. That's and, true. 
one of the hardest things is relinquishing that control and coming back more to like command, right? Like you're saying control outcomes, but I think it's being in command of that, being able to direct that, being able Mm -hmm. to, to, to contribute to and have a say in how it goes. So when I'm doing things with my hands that our listeners won't see, but I'm guiding. No, that's okay. But you're you're right. It (laughs) it certainly means that you can, you can command it from a top, but you're not doing all the work. There's a, there's a big difference between doing all the work and then just directing people to do that. And that's, that's a skill and it takes leadership and it takes the ability to think, you know, a little differently, but, and you got to write up a lot of policy and procedure and there's, I'm sure there's an exercise that you have to do, but my gosh, once you're able to get up there, you're like, wow, this is what actual freedom is while I'm still able to make money. You know, everyone's yeah. talking about like creating passive income sources. I'm like, why don't you just create your business to be a passive income source? So you're not having to see all the patients. Yeah. And you're just directing from a top. That's like the best passive income stream that you can have. Yeah. I mean, I, ha- I have a client who um, owns a large uh, neuropsych practice and they have multiple pro- providers. Uh, and over the time that we worked together, I supported her in transitioning to really only taking the really high profile, like forensic cases that pay big money and get the mm-hmm. spotlight on their practice. And then the rest needs to be guiding people, making strategic decisions and taking time off. Yeah. And not answering your phone unless somebody texts you first saying, you know, God forbid the building's on fire or something like do not answer that phone when you're not working. Yeah. So, and it's, it is, it was, she was ready to do the work. So it wasn't hard, but it took a lot of like mental gymnastics to get to that place because she's like, yeah, you know, started the practice on her own as the only provider. And now there's multiple providers where they don't really need her. In fact, it may cost them a little bit if she sees regular cases, because yeah. then a lot of the leadership decisions aren't, you know, getting the attention that they need or they get pushed, pushed out or whatever. So it's yeah. true. It is. It's a different it's such mindset. a wonderful thing. Yeah. It's definitely a wonderful thing that happens when you actually let go of certain things though. It, yeah. it You will see expansion. It's counterintuitive. It's it hard is. to do. Yes. Enough people have probably said that it works. And that probably means that it does. And I think that's where the freedom is, right? That's to me, that's where the freedom really comes through. You can still do the thing that you love. You just do it in a very selective way. If you're going to see patients, you're doing very select types of cases, right? Maybe the, just Mm -hmm. the the thing that you specialize in. And then if you, you know, your other people can do the other things and it works, it works and it's liberating. So that's really lovely. I love that you support your clients and seeing that and helping them make that happen. Yeah. That must be really gratifying. It is. It is. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we could keep going, but in the interest of time, we'll start to wrap up here. But before we go, I'd like to ask you if you have, you know, one or two pieces of advice that you would like to give to our listeners. Sure. I think, uh, well, I think we already touched on one. Definitely make sure that you're you're treating your practice like an investment and, and not a job. And that's really financial advice number one that I give to most people. I think another piece of financial advice that I give to to practice owners is don't underestimate how much you do need in income and assets and resources. Um, It's a lot, it's probably more than what you think it is. And you don't want to underestimate that number. And, you know, it's, 
again, I try not to get all into the like the, the hey, my net worth has to be 10 million or 7 million or 5 million, but it, the whole idea that you can have like a million dollars in retirement and you're going to be okay. I think it's probably a little, that's too low, especially when you factor in taxes and inflation and like what you want your, you know, the end of life, your end of life or the last 20 years, you know, what, what that's going to look like. I think you just have to like, you have to increase what that amount is. And uh, so that's the advice number two. And then I would also say, um, make sure that you acknowledge your worth to the practice and that you pay yourself correctly like love yourself and pay yourself and it's it a lot of um healthcare providers have a tough time with that because they feel like they're doing something wrong mm-hmm. when they pay themselves but i also got to remind them look you're not just a practitioner anymore you're an executive you got to pay yourself as an executive and you got to make sure you pay yourself as an owner and you know there's there's methods to doing that um, there's percentages and all that, but, you know, make sure you're doing that because I think that's the source of burnout is when you're, you're giving so much energy and effort towards an activity and you don't get the right exchange back. Mm-hmm. That is going to make someone upset. It is going to make you want to give up. It is going to make you feel tired. It's going to make you feel all these things. So really make sure that, that you guys keep the exchange in with the practice to you personally. I think that's mm-hmm. another good piece of advice. Sage and then advice. just don't spend more than what you make. Right. Yes. Yeah. Note to self. <laughs> <laughs> note to oh self. my gosh. Well, uh, where can people find you if they want to c- get in touch with you and your team? Sure. You can go to uh, our website. It's uh, econologics.com. E- it's E-C-O-N-O-L-O-G-I-C-S. Uh, and we have all kinds of downloads and assessments and everything for practice owners and how that relates to your personal finances. Wonderful. We'll make sure that that's in the show notes. So it's easy to get there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank I you. so enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to to seeing what develops over the coming months for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Thriving Practice. I appreciate you coming here week after week, dear listener, to listen and learn how to elevate your leadership, grow your practice, and to think and act like the high-impact CEO provider that you're meant to be. I have one request of you. If you've benefited from this show, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review with your thoughts on the show. Your feedback and review help us get in front of other amazing practice owners just like you. Thank you again for listening and until next time.